Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to another edition of Grap City Interviews. You know me, I'm Will Washington. You know Philip Lindsay. You know Righteous Reg, but that's not who you're here for. Usually on these interviews, you're here for our guests, and that's no exception today, because today, here on Grap City Interviews, we are joined by, I guess, official titles. What is it? President of All Elite Wrestling and Ring of Honor Wrestling, officially? Um, And general manager as well, it's Mr. Tony Khan. Hey, thanks, Will. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Reg. It's great to see all you guys. Merry Christmas, and thanks for having me on. Thank you for being here. Uh, So let's talk about this year, (laughs) because, um, you know, 2022 has been an interesting year as far as AEW is concerned. Um, And coming up here, we've got uh, New Year Smash happening here in Denver. Uh, which is the return to Denver. You guys haven't been here since March 4th, 2020. Uh, So been quite some time since you've hit the first bank center, but this is the return here to Denver and kind of a way to to cap off the year. And, uh, but one of the things I wanted to to ask about, so 2019 was seen as uh, obviously the birth year for AEW is the year everything, Thing got started and it was really the year you guys got established 2020 was um i would say 
really the year that, you know, that was the pandemic year. That was the year that I think you guys really got to, to find your footing at Daly's Place. And uh, 2021, a lot of people would say was the year AEW really like arrived. You had some major moments of 2021 with uh, selling out Arthur Ashe Stadium, selling out United Center. Um, you signed CM Punk, you signed uh, Adam Cole, you signed Brian Danielson. Huge year 2021. Would you say... Because a lot of people have kind of put this out there, but would you say 2022 would be, as a booker and promoter, your most challenging year so far? It's different from 2020, which was very challenging. Uh, but it's, it's been challenging in different ways. But I think it's been really a great year for us. So uh, as we go into New Year's Smash, the ratings for AEW Dynamite were up almost 10% in total viewers for the year, which is pretty amazing for any TV show in this day and age of cable and satellite TV. Uh, and, you know, we're not just up 10% in total viewers, we're up in the key demos. And in the 18 to 34 demo, we're up 26% year over year. There are not a lot of television shows up 26% in the 18 to 34 demo. So that's really good growth. Now, it's been challenging to get there, and we're 51 weeks out of the 52 into the year, and there's really been a lot of great periods for AEW, and I think overall, all five AEW pay-per-views, really strong shows. I think Double or Nothing and All Out both had some of the best wrestling matches of the entire year, and really Revolution, Forbidden Door, and Full Gear, top to bottom, I think are some of the strongest shows we've ever done, and... You know, not only did five great AEW pay-per-views, but also some of our best TV events all year. We've had really strong ratings going into Q4, and this Q4 has been really strong. You know, some people would point out, you know, you've grown year over year, but the first part of last year, uh, you didn't have competition. Well, that was really only the first few months of last year. April 14th is when the competition ended, so it was really only about three and a half months. So the year-over-year growth, I think, is very impressive. And the other thing about it that you have to remember is this quarter has been really strong growth. We're up in total viewers, up in that 18 to 34 demo that's been so good for us this year. And so last year at Q4, we were hot as hell. So to be up over that, that's pretty amazing. Uh, and I'm really proud of that, that we've been able to grow over what was a huge Q4 last year. It's been a great first year on CBS for us. And as we go into next year, uh, I would say there were a lot of challenging periods, but every time we came out of it and, and led to more great stuff, and it's really overall been a great year. The toughest week was probably, there was a hell of a week when around double or nothing, within four days, you had Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, and CM Punk all get injured. MJF walked out, and not long after that, we had the incident where Jeff Hardy Unfortunately, uh, had to get some help, and Samoa Joe had scheduled time off to film a show, and that was always planned. And you're missing all those stars in such a short period. It was pretty amazing how strong we came through in the summer, and then really uh, coming out of All Out, have had some of the strongest ratings of the entire year. Probably our strongest rating period was September, October, and then going into this Q4, that's been really good for us. So it has been a really good year. We have grown our ratings, and it's pretty amazing because last year was a great year, and even with all the obstacles in our way, I think we came back strong. One thing that was really good for us, I think, after Chris Jericho and John Moxley had done really well for AEW in 
some of the summer months when a lot of the stars were out. We got Brian Danielson back around the 150th, 150th episode of Dynamite, The House of the Dragon. And since then, there have been so many great episodes. That was one of the best shows. And there were so many. Kenny other- returned on that episode, too, right? Uh, I'm sorry. I said Kenny returned on that episode too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Kenny's return to the House of the Dra- uh, Dragon, and uh, what a great show that was! And we had a really top to bottom great card. And coming through, then uh, we had the Quake by the Lake show, and we had a, you know a number of great shows. Of course, uh, coming out of All Out, we had the Grand Slam Tournament of Champions and some big ratings. Grand Slam. Uh, our three-year anniversary show in D.C., uh, our debut internationally in Toronto, that was a great show, and a string of shows recently that have just been tremendous, I think. In December, coming off full gear, which is one of the best shows we've ever done. Great winter is coming, and now it sets up for New Year's Smash, and we're taping this Friday afternoon, so Rampage hasn't aired yet, so nobody here but me knows the full card for next week, but... I think you guys know a bit about what's on New Year's Day. Yeah. And it's a really strong show. I'm really looking forward to it. Some of the big stars in AEW. And coming out of tonight's Rampage, you'll have a better idea uh, what we're set up for. I think it'll be a fun Rampage tonight, too. Oh, good. Yeah, I, I imagine by the time people are seeing this, uh, they're, they're, everybody will already know what the card is, or at least most of the card. I know you tend to announce some stuff um, day of. Uh, I don't know if that... Well, you mentioned, yeah, that, you know, Kenny is back, and uh, now we've got this great trios tournament, and Kenny and the Young Bucks have been taking on the Death Triangle, and now uh, the Death Triangle, their lead was 3-1. The lead has been cut to 3-2, but the Death Triangle can close the series out this Wednesday in the Denver area in a fall town anywhere match, uh, elite versus Death Triangle, and, you know, we know what – these teams are capable of, we know what they're capable of when there's no disqualifications like last week. But I just think when it falls count anywhere match, this is just going to be wild and crazy. We've seen some crazy young bucks fall count anywhere matches on TV, on pay-per-view. And I expect that to hold up and be another great one this week on Wednesday night dynamite. So certainly uh, I'm not spoiling anything there. You all know about that one. We know. (laughs) (laughs) Ethan <laughs> Page versus Brian Danielson has been announced, of course. That should be a great match. They had a really heated promo. Ethan Page and Stokely Hathaway have really stepped up in the latter part of the year. Brian Danielson is one of the greatest stars in AEW, I think one of the best wrestlers in the world, if not the best wrestler in the world. And we've announced also uh, the TNT Championship on the line. Samoa Joe, the one true king of television, defending against the former champion, his former partner Wardlow and that's going to be such a great match I'm very excited for that and we're going to announce more on Rampage by now people will know that stuff but I don't think Reg and Phil even though Rampage (laughs) because that card rundown isn't put in we don't run that on Wednesday so nobody would know that not even Will yet so but it'll be a fun card on Wednesday and I've already announced a lot of the good stuff and a few more fun matches to come It'd be a great New Year smash, and I think very consistent with the kind of great wrestling we've had this year. And at times when stars have gone down, it's been a challenge, but we have so many great wrestlers in AEW. They've stepped up time after time. And the best thing about AEW, honestly, is the fans. And anytime there's been a tough thing with 
any kind of injury or incident this year. The fans have stepped up, and you know that's that's been consistent from the beginning. But what's been great is we've grown that fan base along the way, and built it up domestically and internationally. It's been a really good year for us. Also, hit new heights in international ratings. In England, we're by far the number one most watched wrestling company on television, and we've had our biggest audiences ever there recently. And looking forward to planning a, our first ever event in England next year. I can't wait for AEW to debut in London and eventually hit all the great cities in England that I visited on all those drives in the premier. When do you expect to be able to uh, make any announcements on that? I don't know exactly, man, uh, when I'll be able to say. Uh, I'm in the process of trying to get some of the logistics squared, but that's a great question. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly when I'll be able to say it. I will say that's one of the things we're, we're asked most about. And and it yeah. is nice to know um, that it's at least officially on the books. Because um, really next year, you guys are really charting into a lot of new territory in 2023. Pretty much all but, what, three shows that are announced at the moment are new arenas. Um, that, you know, you're hitting uh, Seattle uh, as the first show of 2023. Um, and that's an interesting show coming up. As you've talked about, you just recently did an interview and you basically confirmed a lot of the rumors um, around the fact that there's going to be a bit of a presentation facelift yeah. for well, Dynamite. A different look. I'm, the wrestling is going to be the same great wrestlers and the fans, the same great fans, but it's in a new city, Seattle. And the look, the changes to the set and the presentation are going to be changes we're going to keep. And I'm really looking forward to the new look of the show. I find in wrestling when you overpromise things, you can over you disappoint people. It's a set and it's a presentation. At the end of the day, the most important thing is what the fans bring, what the wrestlers and the staff of AEW and the crew bring every week. But the look of the show is important too, and it's going to look really cool. Yeah, that's uh, really cool talking about the Seattle. Then after that, you're, I'm going to be seeing you guys a lot because you guys are invading California. How excited are you about all the California dates? We got Fresno, we got San Francisco, we got Sacramento, LA. It's going to be a very busy time here in California. How important is everything surrounding California? There's going to be a really giant show January 11th that you're putting together. How important is the LA show combined with what eventually is going to happen in San Francisco at Revolution? So important for us. It's a gold rush for AEW this year. Yeah. Uh, it was a, that's a name I had used uh, as a wrestling page. So maybe it's not the best name for a wrestling pay-per-view, but it's a name <laughs> I had used as a kid when I was 12, 13 years old. It was pretty good coming up for names for, you know, shows. Dynamite was my TV show, and there was a gold rush, and we would go out, and I did it, I think it was still three Tom Stadium where the 49ers played, uh, and, uh, and then later at the Oracle. And now to have uh, AEW have one of our biggest pay-per-view events and really – a show that's so important to AEW Revolution, one of the biggest wrestling events of the year coming to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. It's going to be awesome. And really one of the first shows of the year that we do is in L.A. at the Forum, which is now a signature AEW building. And now L.A. is an AEW town, and that's very cool. And uh, I just love visiting all the new towns, but it's also great going to cities we've been and you know seeing the growth of AEW and being able to do this. I'm not trying to compare us to any other active wrestling company out there. I think it's just cool. There's no other wrestling company really quite like AEW. Uh, there are two wrestling companies that tour the country and 
do big crowds where often there's five, ten thousand, or even more fans sometimes at the shows. Uh, but for a long time, there was only one. When I was a kid, there were two. And honestly, one of them wasn't running that strong until later in the 90s. And then they had a really hot run. And then and it seemed like it was never going to end. And then it did end. And then they were gone. And then there was nothing for a long time. How do you, um, speak, kind of speaking on that, a lot of people compare AEW to WCW. Like in your rise, they're like, this is how they're going to downfall like WCW did. How do you, how, how did those comparisons feel to you when you hear you guys compare it to them so often? It wasn't even one thing with WCW. It was so many things. I mean, the books, it's like death by a thousand cuts, you know, which is like <laughs> an expression, but it's true. It's like, you know, if you think about it, if like a thousand small paper cuts, you probably would bleed out. And they're all, they're all, painful but this show is sponsored by better help if you had an extra hour in your day what is the first thing that you would do read a book take a nap play some video games do something for a friend volunteer a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time but the question is time for what and if it was unlimited how would you go about using it The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash fightful it's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with better help that's betterhelp.com slash fightful wilson you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar how did you do it i got a huge assist from grammarly an ai writing partner that helped me make my point 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. It wasn't just one thing. There were so many things. And even in some of the shows, if you just look at one show, uh, you know, January 4th, I think how many things could there be on one show? But then still, like, you know, you're in the big dome and there's all the fans there. You know, I, I love the history of it. 
Uh, <laughs> What's January 4th? You guys have a show coming up January 4th. No finger poke. Like, whatever finger you poke, do. Please, like, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not, Tony. You better not. <laughs> well, you know, you never know. But on the other hand, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I'm just, you, I got to keep you guys on your toes. But um, January 4th, we have a huge show coming. We have the start of a new year for AEW. And, you know, when you, there will... I think when we look at that January 4th show, next time I visit you, I'll, I've thought about that particular January 4th, 1999, and something about it. And uh, next time I talk to you guys, uh, if you ask me what, what my show had in common with that January 4th show, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, but it won't, be, it won't be that. And, I hope uh, not. <laughs> but it, it really, would, uh, you know, there's so many great heights, and they're very different companies, and there's heights right. that you know, they were around for a long time, and and... And when they rose to the heights they rose to, really, it was management uh, came in and made great changes. They pivoted the business in a lot of really interesting ways, which I think all of us could articulate for hours and talk about the changes they made to help grow the business. And um, again, just like Death by a Thousand Cuts, they made a, a lot of changes. You could probably point to a few big ones. Hulk Hogan coming in was a, was a big one, and that changed a lot of things. Not all right away some big positives at first and then not as much for a bit but then a lot of positives for a while and um a lot of other things that influence that but i think the reason people want to compare the two companies most of all is we're the only two wrestling companies to air on tbs and, and tnt and we both aired on tbs and tnt there are some people that have worked in both companies i think Sting is an important face for both companies. Tony Schiavone, in particular, and Jim Ross, have been uh, voices for both of the companies. And the TBS and TNT names just being so synonymous with pro wrestling. I think that is a utility that we have been able to provide to the fans, is bring wrestling back to TBS and TNT. So that is really why people want to make the comparisons. But they're very different. And a lot of the reasons that one WCW would go away or go out of business just don't really exist and aren't really realistic business concerns for AEW because uh, it's not a company owned by a network or even really a media property. It's a family business right. owned and operated and run by me. And I love wrestling and I'm not going anywhere. And that's why I'm doing this with you guys today. Uh, and it's Christmas break and I'm spending it with you. <laughs> so, I love so cool. wrestling and talking about wrestling. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I think uh, it, it's great. And, you know, not, it's been a great year for AEW, but I think if you want to talk about 2022 and making a case for the work people have done, I mean, with without doing anything to upset the apple cart, without going outside our relationships and really um, – I haven't shopped anything outside of, of Warner Brothers Discovery. Ring of Honor, taking that pay-per-view business, growing it, having the best pay-per-view year Ring of Honor's ever had, doing three shows. And with just the three shows, I think we've done more buys than Ring of Honor with a full pay-per-view calendar had ever done. Um, and I can tell you now, the Honor Club, with really just the historical library relaunch, without putting new content going up every week yet, Based on people watching the archive library, we've already hit the all-time high in subscribers for the Honor Club in just weeks. And once the TV launches and once Final Battle goes up on 
uh, that 90 day archive, you know, where it's been a few weeks since final battle. So now, uh, what is it, maybe uh, 10 or 11 weeks until it goes up on the service. And I'll be announcing the start of the weekly Ring of Honor series. So I think there'll be a lot more reasons to drive people there. But right now, people are signing up for the Honor Club to see the great events in the 20 year history of Ring of Honor. And I'm really proud two of the most successful events they've ever done are up there already, which are Supercard of Honor 2022 and Death Before Dishonor 2022, events that have great history. And these are the most successful iterations of them in many ways. Uh, and in I think now Final Battle also one of the most successful events, really the most successful Final Battle in every measure possible. So uh, that's also really cool to be able to revive, grow that business. And uh, there are things we can do with that, you know, like the Honor Club, like these pay-per-views we've done. Uh, it was cool doing an afternoon show, I thought, with Final Battle. It was a little bit different. I think a lot of people enjoyed it. It was a, a challenging day in terms of the competition. So there's another reason why I think it was good to do it in the afternoon versus trying to go up against a lot of events at night. But really been a great year uh, there too. And I think that's been a great purchase. So I, I'm overall, I think it's been a challenging year, but, uh, but I'm really happy that it's now able to look back and it's been a very successful year. So it reminds me of 2020. I would say the most challenging year in a lot of ways was really 2020 having to put on shows through the pandemic, some of the uncertainty, keep the company strong, and I think come out of 2020 stronger than we went into it, which is pretty incredible given the environment in which we were producing the weekly TV every week. Yeah. Well, oh, go ahead, Phil. Uh, speaking of Rig of Honor, so uh, you did have three great pay-per-views this year. Um, last year, you guys ran during WrestleMania weekend is there any plans to do Supercard of Honor this year during WrestleMania weekend? Great question, Phil. A great question, Phil. So when we were in the scrum, I think you guys uh, did you guys Reg had asked that question. That yeah. was Reg. I believe. I believe. So Reg, you asked me about doing it there. And Phil, you asked me now again a similar question that Reg asked me, but the difference between when you guys ask the question is I've had the benefit of perspective and actually I had the benefit of Reg's perspective because I had never done a show in that environment. And I said, I would never would do an AEW show, you know, in, in really in the shadow of somebody else's event. And I never right. would. And I don't think AEW needs it. In fact, AEW has grown and AEW is the size of a company where companies from all over the world come and do events around our events, which is awesome. And there's all kinds of satellite wrestling events in San Francisco. You can bet there's going to be a lot of great wrestling around Revolution Weekend, in addition to the big AEW events that people are going to come all over, oh, yeah. all from all over the world to see. And, Reg, you said something to me that was really interesting because you said you found Ring of Honor, which is a smaller brand and in many ways more of a niche brand than AEW, which is very mainstream. It's on CBS, TNT, and... I took over Ring of Honor trying to get Ring of Honor to a place it had never been, not trying to get Ring of Honor to hit the heights that AEW's hit, which no wrestling company other than WWF, WWE, and WCW has really ever hit. And I think that uh, Ring of Honor, it's interesting because, Red, you said to me, and it changed my perspective completely, and now, Phil, you asked the question again, and I have the benefit of this perspective from Reg, that, you know, you said, well, 
when you first saw Ring of Honor many years ago. That was was it ten years ago, Reg? I think that it was two thousand nine, Phoenix. So it was wow, it was okay, yeah. so it was over a dozen. Phoenix was twenty ten. Twenty ten, yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty ten. Yeah. Okay, that was so my first so WrestleMania weekend. And a long time ago, and I remember you mentioned that, and it, it gave me a new perspective because maybe there's people uh, that it would expose to Ring of Honor. So then it made me think, you know, I need to think about how I'm going to do this. And it really made me open up my, my mind to the whole project uh, because we had just really completed the deal and they had announced this card and uh, not much on it. <laughs> But they said they were going to do it, and and I followed through and, and felt like we had to do a great supercard, and I was glad it turned into such a great and successful show and really a fun, organic thing. But it was unusual to be doing it uh, at and around WrestleMania weekend. And, you know, if, if for a, that brand, maybe it does make sense. And Red, you know, you opened my eyes to that. So now, Phil, thanks to that perspective, I am interested in it. I'm Okay. I'm open. Okay. To it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm interested yeah. in it. Yeah, no, like me, me and Reg are neck and neck ne- next year because I know people are like, oh, you guys always do Chicago. Now I'm going to be like, man, LA's getting a lot of stuff, Reg. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, I, I did it. A- These are two of my favorite cities to my home, in fact. And I've lived in both cities. I love both cities. And I guarantee you, LA and Chicago will both get a lot of love from AEW forever. I did a count recently. You've run at AEW shows officially, have run 14 shows, which is astronomical, by the way, compared to literally any other city. Like, I think it's um, what? Now Arena is the one you guys have run the most. And then right behind that is Curtis Colwell Center. But um, if I remember correct, because I know Curtis Colwell, you've run just AEW. Uh, five times, uh, six with Ring of Honor. Not counting Daly's place. <laughs> right. Okay. Not counting Daly's place. Obviously, not counting Daly's place. But, uh, <laughs> b- but yeah, you've run various events in Chicago overall 14 times, which is for a three year old company. I, I don't see the problem with it. What's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> Look, the rest of us are hungry for wrestling. So, yeah. like, I, I, I now recognize I've been to Chicago a lot for pro wrestling in the last couple of years. Well, it's a great city to go to pro <laughs> wrestling in. We you know our event we just had at Wintrust Arena drew a bigger crowd than the last time we were there, and it was great to see uh, uptick in fans. And we've had great support there at Wintrust Arena. We've had great support out in the suburbs at Now Arena, and also at the United Center. And these are great buildings for us. Great relationship. And really in all the major markets. I think, yeah, we've run a lot of shows around Chicago, but lately we've been doing more events in the Northeast. Did a lot of events around the Northeast. And it was a very economical thing for the company, but it was also great to hit so many of those great markets. And for a lot of the people, you know, uh, a lot of people in the Northeast, I think it would be fair to say now we've done a lot of shows around the New York, New Jersey area, the tri-state area. And, and also now doing a lot of shows around California. And, you know, you mentioned Curtis Colwell Center, Texas. I've done a ton of shows around Florida, certainly. Uh, That would be fair to say. Uh, And one thing I've noticed here coming home to Illinois in December is I'm used to doing all of these shows around Texas and Florida in the winter and (laughs) football games in Florida. 
So, uh, yeah, it's cold being back home now around Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I kind of want to um, piggyback off, a little bit off of the Ring of Honor talk. I had a couple of reservations throughout the year, Tony Khan. I will not lie to you because the Ring of Honor world champion was not my favorite champion, and I'm just going to keep it real. Do you think the Chris Jericho as Ring of Honor world champion experiment was a su success? Did you get to the point that you felt that when you started the journey that Chris Jericho was the right one to move forward as the Ring of Honor champion? Yes, I think it's a success. I think it lives with the show today. Every time you see somebody do the count, and what do they count? They go five, six, seven, Ocho, nine. Mm -hmm. And because people really, really dug the Ocho. And it did great ratings for us multiple times. You know, Claudio and Chris kicked off Grand Slam, and that was the first of the Ocho reign. Chris had eight matches in that, and he won the Ring of Honor World title from Claudio, and Claudio won it back in the eighth match uh, of Chris's eighth world title reign. It was very cool. It was something that was planned. Didn't even think about that. And, <laughs> and in that Ocho, in between Claudio and Claudio, you had all these, Claudio, of course, a great Ring of Honor champion himself. You had all these great Ring of Honor champions, people that had held different titles in Ring of Honor, and great challengers. and. Some, some great, great matches along the way. Some that led to a new signing like Bandito. I think Ishii was not only a classic match, in my opinion, a five-star match, and one of the best main events in the history of AEW. Also, it was a big rating success for us, Chris versus Ishii. And then, uh, of course, Chris versus Brian in Toronto, a huge success for us. And, you know, really... Uh, throughout these defenses against all these great Ring of Honor champions from history, recent history, or past history, uh, just all kinds of different wrestlers Chris faced in between and before Claudio got that rematch in Chris's eighth Ring of Honor world title match. And uh, I just loved the ring. I thought it was really great. And by, by the time it got to number eight, clearly I thought the fans had really embraced it. And I wasn't expecting it at Final Battle when they started doing the, the Ocho count, but, <laughs> but it's stuck in the fan. Now fans all over the world have, are going to be doing it. I can tell okay. where we go. So I do think fans really came to love it. And also, I think 2022 has been a great year for Chris Jericho. He's been an important part of AEW. I think he's been involved in some of the best matches of his entire 30-plus year career. And... Uh, He's so important to AEW, and really, this year he was also important to Ring of Honor and establishing that Ring of Honor name and getting people interested in it. But I think it was, I think it was not only a success, I think that uh, it will historically, it's going to be something that, you know, people will remember, and hopefully it helped Ring of Honor, I think it did, but also it helped AEW to have Chris Jericho wrestling in important matches on TV was something that meant a lot to him and to the people he was wrestling, and to a lot of other people, the Ring of Honor World title. And uh, so the, the Ocho, the series of matches, I think it was a great success. So I'll look back on those eight matches and that period. Uh, the four-way match was a great one. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and so, the yeah, the, the Ocho, I do think, was a big success. Uh, speaking of recent Ring of Honor World Champions, um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask, what is the status of Jonathan Gresham and do you have any plans to work with him again, if possible? 
I think Jonathan Gresham signed with Impact recently. If I, I mean, I can't speak to that, but I believe that's what I saw on the news. Is that true? I think that's Yeah, he seems uh, like that's they, the news. They yeah. definitely ran their version of the All Elite graphic for... Uh, <laughs> For Jonathan Gresham, I don't know. I look. That's a, that. Honestly, that is a thing that didn't really exist before AEW. Like when I see other companies now doing the, hey, we signed this person and we got this. I feel like that the origin of that is the All Elite graphic. Is it not? Well, I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily. I think like people. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think fans <laughs> certainly. It's we live in an age of social media. I mean, there wasn't really. You know, it took 20 minutes to download one picture on dial-up. There was no capacity <laughs> to do that. Uh, on Prodigy right. for Eric Bischoff in WCW. So I was in his, I would go to his Prodigy chat, chats and Vince's AOL chats in 1995. So they, they didn't really have the ability to throw up a picture in those chats. Oh, oh I know. Are you kidding me? I It took me... Uh, 10 minutes to find out that Juventud Guerrero had been released from WCW because the graphic was loading and it was like a little bit of his face here, 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 here. And then finally the words come up the, and I'm like, what does it say? What does it say? And it says, the juice is loose. And I'm like, oh no, he's gone. Yeah, <laughs> That was exactly Tragedy. how I found out. Um, I, I did I probably read it neither. <laughs> but, um, but I, uh, um, you know, it's, that being said, I just I would be remiss if I didn't say I like Jonathan Gresham and I like Impact and I think that's great and you know it's good for him to have a great opportunity there and it's good for them to have a great wrestler there. So there's hundreds of great wrestlers in the world and we have a huge roster in AEW across the two hours of Dynamite, the one hour of Rampage, plus Dark and Elevation. And now a lot of great wrestlers in Ring of Honor too. We work with a lot of great companies around the world, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Triple uh, A Lucha Libre now Ring of Honor has also worked with CMLL and um, and also uh, working with DDT Noah and Rev Pro I really like Andy and you know Pack defending the All Atlantic title across the UK doing different things different relationships working with uh, different promotions I, I have a lot of respect for what stardom does you know we've had tokyo joshi pro and uh we've had wave uh Ushida recently represented in their championship match and so uh, i like a lot of wrestling companies i think uh it's great when wrestlers get opportunities and jonathan gresham somebody i've had a good amount of experience with and i like jonathan gresham and he's very talented and i think that's a great place for him to you know, go and hopefully have a really successful run as a wrestler. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to uh, kind of talk about, so first off, this is going to be running around the time that the voting in the Fightful Awards um, will have concluded, although we're not going to um, announce everything till January and the winners of everything. But everybody knows the nominees at this point. At this point, you're nominated for Booker of the Year. And I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about um, some of your, your challenges as a Booker this year, um, primarily around the fact that, um, as you mentioned, you've dealt with injuries. You've dealt with, um, there have been injuries, departures, things along those lines. And um, some of the creative shifts that have had to happen. You've talked about a little uh, some before, and I'm going to get to those in a second. Uh, one of the biggest ones this year, and I'm going to preface this question by mentioning to folks out there and to Tony that both the individual I'm about to mention 
and Tony Khan have both stated that as far as they're concerned, they're not going to talk about what happened um, and that there's a great mutual respect for each other. But I do want to talk about that this year began with one Cody Rhodes as um, TNT champion. And uh, Cody Rhodes um, was obviously a part of just from a viewer's perspective. A lot of things that were happening creatively, literally the last week before you guys announced the departure, Brandy Rhodes has a confrontation with uh, Paige Van Zant, and it was clear that there was creative things happening with uh, that involved Cody Rhodes at the time. Um, so my question here is really around some of the creative challenges around that departure, and, um, and then also just kind of environmentally. A lot of guys who came in were his guys you talk about um you can look really across the roster there was the nightmare uh family that existed as a faction and all of a sudden there were a number of guys who suddenly didn't have that tie anymore um how was that how was adjusting around that creatively at the top of the year and how do you feel um as far as you know a lot of the people he brought in and as far as where AEW is as a team now how do you feel things have shifted over those last 12 months it was uh, certainly whenever you lose a star, the caliber of Cody Rhodes, it's going to be a major, major uh, impact on your company. And it's going to, you know, affect a number of different departments and a number of different things in terms of the presentation and, and the backstage. And uh, personally, I really, really like Cody and I know Cody really well. And, uh, you know, I think that in a time he was here, he was so involved in so many different facets of the start of AEW and what we were. And when he left, that was a major challenge. Uh, going into Revolution, we had so many great stories. I think it really helped us and helped keep us strong that uh, people were so invested in what was happening in AEW at the time. And going into Revolution, fans were really interested, I think, in what was happening. There were a lot of really building um one thing that helped us in january you know not, not the exact same time but pretty similar timing around the time of when cody did leave john moxley came back and that was a big help to us because we had never really it was kind of it was, it was unusual um we had all these great stars including cody and you had uh really three huge free agents probably the biggest three free agents we'd ever signed all show up within two weeks with cm punk adam cole and brian danielson and they all became a huge part of the tv show really really quickly all three of them punk cole and danielson and going into the end of the year not only did you have these great stars that were with us from the beginning you had chris jericho kenny omega uh, John Moxley and Cody Rhodes. Uh, John Moxley late in the year had to leave and get help. And it was the best thing that could have happened to him. It was the best thing really, I think it could happen to us to have a healthy John Moxley there for the entirety of this year, 2022, to keep the company strong. And then, uh, you know, not only John Moxley out, Kenny Omega uh, with the toll the injuries took, had to step away after full year and was gone for almost a year. And then you had also uh, 
around that time, Chris Jericho had a health concern. Again, totally different kind of health problem than John Moxley, but Chris addressed it. And something similar was we got both guys back healthy. They were both here for the entire 2022. And wow, was that important in keeping the company strong. And, but at the end of 2021, people thought, hey, what's going on? Because for the first time, it's like, we've never seen an AEW without Mox, Jericho, and Omega. And then now, a, a year later, of course, Mox, Jericho, Omega is such a huge part of the presentation of the show, and other people aren't here day to day. So we've been through these changes. Um, like I mentioned, around Double or Nothing, then there was another group of people that weren't there, but some of these other people weren't back yet. And uh, so that's something that AEW has that not very many wrestling companies ever have. And I think only, you know, a couple wrestling companies ever have had that kind of deep roster. And I honestly don't know if any wrestling company in the world right now could sustain losing as many of their top people as we have and bouncing back time after time and without exception. And uh, for us, that was one of the really challenging departures, certainly. And, uh, you know, there's a number of people here, not just me, there's a lot of people uh, that really like Cody and I'm one of them. And uh, there's a lot of people here that are really close to him that got involved in AEW with him at the beginning. And a lot of these people are still here and uh, they've, been involved with AEW the whole time and they never stopped working really hard. And that's uh, what's great about AEW. We have the best fans and we have this great crew backstage, the wrestlers and the team that puts the shows on and everybody's pretty close. And uh, you know, that's really what every time we've had a challenge, that's what's gotten us through is having a great crew. Well, really, yeah. uh, 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 really quick, I wanted to get, do you have a status update on Paige Van Sant? Cause he said a little bit about Paige Van Sant. She had that one, Match at Double or Nothing, really great. A lot of think cool things going on. Do you have an update? Will we see Page Man Sant again in an AEW ring anytime soon, Mr. I would like that. I would like that. Page Man Sant makes a lot of money. Uh, and, you know, Page Man Sant lot. very talented and is, commands a big dollar figure, but I'm also very interested in that. Page Man okay. I would like uh, at some point to come back. I really like Page Man Sant. She's awesome. And I love Dan Lambert. And anybody, so that was just kind of a one off match. No, pretty much you did. no, it wasn't a one off, it was something I'm open to doing more stuff with Patreon's Ant. I think, uh, at some point, it's something you know, I, I would definitely be open to down the road. Uh, just out of curiosity, Tony, do you remember who did Paige Van Zandt's theme song? Uh, I, it, it, was, it, it was Reg, that's, that's exactly <laughs> what it <laughs> It doesn't have anything to do with that, Tony. I to these guys. I'm just very interested in Paige Van wrestling career, and her theme has nothing to do with it. Now That's I remember. But, now I, but, I, but, that but seriously, people better. ask about Paige Van Sant pretty often because right. you know she was part of it. She's very. No, I, I want to hear the music again. So I'm I'm marking out for Reg over here. I want to hear that song on AEW television again. Paige we have to hear it. Double or nothing. Tough as hell, and yeah. we would love to have her back. Has a great attitude. Did great in the match. Yeah. And I think it, when the, with the right fight and the right opponent, yes, I would love that for Paige Van Zandt to fight again in AEW. Don't change your music, though. It was great. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but, you know, I, I guess it is um, 
again, just uh, last point on the Cody thing. I guess it's it's good from a fan perspective because I think that was one of the concerns a lot of people had, and you can kind of see um, just in some of the things that have been officially announced by AEW just this year, right? That there's a lot of people who were kind of known as, as as Cody's people, right? That you know um, Tony Schiavone has told the story that it was Cody who gave him the call, and it was and QT Marshall has a well documented relationship with Cody, and so it's it's. And, and this year, both of those guys we saw in 2022 move into newer positions in the company. Yeah, absolutely. Both of them have been really important in the weekly production of the show. And they're both very involved backstage. And they're both really important to getting things done. So both Tony and QT uh, are huge parts of AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and, and making the AEW team function every week. Well, one of the biggest things you did this year... Uh, and I suppose, again, talking as a booker, one of your biggest challenges ended up being um, Forbidden Door, that that was uh, a huge event and sold out the United Center a second time. Um, and I think uh, it, it kind of goes without saying that you had very different creative plans going into it than what you were able to, to do with it, um, just based on the amount of injuries that came out of uh, Double or Nothing and things along those lines. Whatever I call it to anybody, I don't want to call the whole thing like on in front of the world, but whatever I call like all the stuff from like the forum to Forbidden Door, by the end of it, people are like, oh my God. <laughs> and like, uh, but at the same time, the show was so awesome. It's one of the it best was. things you couldn't change. I wouldn't change anything. And it's wow. like, it was so great. I wish, I do wish we'd been able to do some of the stuff we had done, but the show ended up perfect. And and it, what a great event for AEW. It's the most successful debut of any AEW franchise in every conceivable way. Uh, one of the best shows we've ever done, period. It was the first Forbidden Door. Uh, and uh, it's the biggest pay-per-view debut gate we've ever had it's the biggest debut buys for any of the pay-per-views what a great start to the year uh for, for excuse me what a great start to a new show coming off of uh what you know we were just talking about revolution i thought it was a great start to the year revolution uh something i was just thinking about was you know with even with some changes stuff to start the year revolution ended up being such an amazing show i think one of our best shows again we've ever done and certainly one of the best wrestling shows of the entire year and very commercially successful event uh really really strong pay-per-view buys the most ever for revolution and uh that also uh was great for the year and then you know going into all the changes at forbidden door yeah it it was it was challenging but you know keeping cool and uh and really making sure that we had a great card going into the pay-per-view, you know, working with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And and I don't think they've had the same experience in terms of producing American pay-per-views and what you have to do in terms of getting the people on the show. So uh, I've made no secret that there was like a point where I was like, all right, we got to get the guys over here (laughs) to like get on TV and uh you know start building the matches guys and uh um it's challenging because yeah imagine i can't imagine how hard it would be for me to build a pay-per-view in another country while i'm trying to run my promotion here so uh for them that was really hard but they were great about it and and when we got tanahashi over when we got will osprey over they did 
great things for us on the show. They did great numbers. And that shows the kind of star power they have. And I think their top stars really are needle movers and they've been great for us. And the most important thing is the relationship. I really value the relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's ironic. Now, as the owner of Ring of Honor, when AEW launched, I was jealous of the relationship Ring of Honor had with New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> and now, here we all sit as one happy family. And, uh, you know, it took a, a fun road to get there. I love it. Yeah, we talked a little bit uh, earlier about there's a big Rampage show happening today. Um, I took a little bit of a Twitter poll very recently on Rampage because I don't want to say there's a disconnect, but there's something something that's going on that's not connecting the viewers from Dynamite to the viewers to Rampage. What kind of challenges have you had having sometimes Rampage be a tape show? Sometimes you had some time slot changes. You've had some things that have been kind of thrown your way to to be against rampage and you've done some things recently like having mox featured very heavily to to you know try to try to counter out that feels like what it's john of, moxley's show lately it's john moxley's show totally <laughs> what kind of challenges have you faced with rampage and what moving forward do you think could help with kind of the disconnect that might be there it was uh really really great lately to see the big jump in rampage ratings mm -hmm. to be up you know, almost double over two weeks ago is big. And certainly John Moxley has been a big part of it. I think on tonight's show, he'll be heavily involved again. And I'm looking forward to the first ever $300,000 uh, Christmas Casino Trios Royale. And uh, we'll find out who the three kings are uh, tonight on Rampage. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And John Moxley's been a big part of pumping up the ratings of that show. Orange Cassidy's been involved a lot in the show recently. And uh, I think it's different time slot. Certainly mm -hmm. the Wednesday 8 to 10 is a great time slot versus the 10 to 11 on Friday in some ways. But the 10 to 11 Friday is a time slot we've grown into. And I think seeing the growth in the last few weeks ratings is awesome. And another thing about that, Lot enough. We've seen Rampage a huge DVR viewership, often the highest in any wrestling show of any company that week. And that's something also, you know, a lot of people watch Rampage, frankly, on Saturday morning, as we've seen, mm -hmm. and or Saturday afternoon. And that's okay. And I'd like to get everybody watching it live on Friday night or uh, as quickly as possible Friday night so they still get countered as part of the rating. But uh, that people are watching it. And I think when you look last week, we were uh, right near the top of the time slot, consistently mm -hmm. hit, you know, at 10 on Friday nights. It, it may not always be apple to apple comparing it to the same number you do on a Wednesday, but I do think the number we've done on Friday has been very strong and often uh, either number one in our time slot or right there with ESPN uh, as the top two shows in that time slot. So that's, you know, pretty strong for us. Definitely. Nothing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're still here. <laughs> so okay, I thought Phil yeah. was going to go. Yeah, uh, and then, yeah, go ahead, Will. Okay, yeah. Uh, it's the problem with doing three people and nobody knows who's going to talk when. <laughs> All right, so uh, I did want to ask about, again, still talking along Booker lines. Uh, because, again, look, you're nominated Booker of the Year. So mm -hmm. I'm going to make you earn 
that that title here on this uh, this podcast here, um, and, and and fish for those votes. So uh, I do want to ask you about again. We talked about creative changes. You mentioned, um, and actually, I I, I, I want to press you on something you said uh, a couple weeks ago in um, Ring of Honor's. Uh, in the buildup toward, or was it after? I think you might've said it afterward, but somebody asked you about creative plans around FTR and you had mentioned that you had um, plans uh, for them as a trio with CM Punk that uh, that didn't necessarily get to be, uh, that didn't necessarily get to see the light of day. And you could kind of see where that stuff was, was building. You could start to see it coming out of Double or Nothing. Um, you could see it at the forum and things along those lines. Um, I guess my, my first question, that was hard, right? Cause it was like, it was so hard just as a human being, it was hard to see Brian Danielson and Adam Cole get hurt at double or nothing. And I love them both so much. I, Brian and Adam are just both so tremendous and, uh, they're both great wrestlers. They're both great people. And I didn't like to see that at all. And they're also just two of the most important people in AEW. So Setting aside how much I love the two people, that's really hard to lose Adam Cole and Brian Danielson in one night. Especially two guys you got on the same night, and then to to lose them on the same night just kind of felt almost poetic. And we went into the forum, and it was like, okay, but we're still very strong. And and then right in the first, you know, you open up with this really, really classic show. I think one of the best shows. And, you know, it's amazing because we've had so many great AEW shows. And you could argue about which the best ones are, but there's so many great ones. And that's just a form. It's another great one. And the fans really remember from this year. And there were a lot of great things on that show, but um, it was amazing. Certainly, uh, that was a challenge coming out of it was realizing that CM Punk had broken his foot. And we had plans for CM Punk and FTR as a trio. And you asked me about plans going into Forbidden Door. And there was a lot of stuff there, frankly. And a lot of the build around Tanahashi, a lot of the build around FDR and the United Empire with Off the Open, and the peripheral involvement of Will Ospreay and how that led into one Cassidy and the Best Friends. The whole map was drawn up very differently, and it was really cool. And it just didn't happen the way I, I thought it could have if people had, had gotten hurt. And there's nothing you can do about that. And that's why, like, when the injuries have happened, whatever's happened, we've always tried to come back for it. And, you know, how do you rebound from losing Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, and CM Punk all in four days? You just go out and work your ass off and do your best. And, and thank, thankfully, Forbidden Door was such a strong show. And then we had these really strong ratings coming off that in the summer uh, that, you know, made it possible to keep the momentum going in an impossible situation, and there's no other sport where you see that. You know, I don't think it's believable that in any other sport you could lose that many of the top stars and you'd have that deep of a roster that everyone would step up. But AEW, it is possible, and uh, that's what made this year so special, I think, and that's why I'm proud of the work everybody did this year in 2022 as I am any year we've had, and that includes everybody who's been in AEW this year, whether they're here right now or not. I think a lot of people had special moments in AEW this year. You know, so uh, this these day and age, uh, I think 
we might know a little too much about some wrestlers, some companies, some things. Social media is crazy. This week, one of your wrestlers, Miro, uh, expressed some frustrations on Twitter. Um, he's not the first one to express frustrations on Twitter. Um, first of all, what's the status on Miro? And second of all, how do you deal with having to deal with something like this? I mean, there was something that Eddie Kingston tweeted the other day that people are going crazy for. So I'm sure people are in your ear saying this person tweeted this, this person tweeted this. How do you deal with all the extracurriculars that come along with running a wrestling show, being a booker, trying to keep everybody happy? You're never going to keep everybody happy. And really, you have to focus on that. You have people that are going to be focused week to week. Uh, Eddie's a big part of tonight's show. Uh, we'll see Eddie on Rampage tonight. That's one great example of that. But there's dozens of wrestlers featured throughout Dynamite and Rampage every week. And throughout those three hours, you see lots of names. But there's also dozens of names in AEW you aren't seeing every week. And sometimes they are silent about that. And there's a reason. Sometimes there's a reason. Somebody's hurt. Somebody's working on another project. Somebody's being repackaged. Or, you know, frankly, there's just not enough slots in three hours. On other sports teams, you don't see it as much. It's not really common in the NFL for uh, the backup quarterback to slate the coach because he's not playing. It's not really common in the NBA for the backup point guard to slate the coach because he's not getting minutes. I take it, and I take it with a smile, and I'll keep taking it with a smile. And uh, it's okay. I understand everybody wants to wrestle and everybody wants to do things. And uh, everybody's coming from a different perspective. So I don't want to compare one person's situation to another because it's apples and oranges. But um, we have a lot of great wrestlers here. And when they're here uh, and, and when we can uh, get everybody involved, I love that. So I, I want to take a minute to kind of talk about, um, again, 2022 and um, AEW uh, kind of stepping up against some of its kind of biggest criticisms of of uh, the last really three years. Um, and the first one I want to talk about, because I feel like it's apropos for where we are doing this show here at the end of the year to kind of go back to where AEW or to where Grapsity started at the beginning of the year. And um, that is kind of the conversation around AEW and people of color and that um, there are was a lot of talk around that in general, uh, particularly around black people. That was a conversation that we had constantly here on Grapsity. It was something that we were constantly asked about. Um, and in 2022, we've seen a lot happen this year. We saw Scorpio Sky crown uh, TNT champion. We've seen Swerve in Our Glory win the um, AEW tag titles and then lose them to um, the acclaimed. We've seen uh, Jade Cargill win the TBS championship this year. We've seen um, Athena. Uh, Athena. I was just about to say Athena. I'm doing this off the top of my head, but yeah. we saw uh, Athena win the uh, Ring of Honor Women's World Championship. Um, we've also seen um, uh, various appearances, uh, and you know, I, I've even talked to Captain Sean Dean, and he's talked about a lot of the input he's had and some of the talent that have come in. Um, there's been a number of big signings. And so uh, there's a lot of other things. If you, I mean, uh, you're doing it off the top of your head and you always do a great job doing stuff off the top of your head. Will. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody in this and this is coming from me. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody that has the memory for wrestling shows and dates that you do. Uh, and that's coming from. 
And, um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of other stuff too. I think, uh, in particular, you know, we saw Ricky Stark step up, uh, in a major way going into winter is coming is another person of color and Oakley. Oakley Hathaway is a great manager in AEW and I could go on and on and on with great examples. I'm so happy uh, to have both members of top flight healthy. I think Dante was tremendous for AEW this year and I'm not, and I could go on listing great wrestlers of color for the entire show. Powerhouse Hobbs is somebody who year after year gets better and is going to be an important part of AEW again. Yeah, we heard the, the newest chapter in the book of Hobbs this week on Dynamite, and that's something we're going to keep hearing. And there's so many great wrestlers, men and women, and you mentioned a bunch of them, uh, and certainly uh, a lot of great storylines. And it was something people asked questions about uh, at the beginning of the year. And I always said I had a lot of plans and a lot of ideas, and it was something that was going to grow and develop in AEW, and I thought it would really be a strong point for us by the end of the year. And I think it is really a strong point for us in terms of things we've done well is push a diverse roster of wrestlers in 2022. And I also think we've made a lot of stars and there's no stars in AEW important, no matter what demographic or background they're from in terms of the impact they've made throughout the year being here, either one of them was always here, whether one of them was hurt or not. Uh, and I'm talking about the acclaimed and the acclaimed embody a homegrown stardom act. Every arena we go in, fans cannot wait to see them. It's an act that started in Daly's place with the three of us in my office. It took pieces of what both of them are to their core as people. Max and Anthony were both great people and they were both been allowed to really take what I think makes them special and put it into an act and then we found the perfect mentor for them, a great wrestler, a legendary tag team wrestler, and just a great mind for wrestling with Billy Gunn. And the whole thing came together great. It also was... Was any of the Billy Gunn stuff intentional or really, was it really just like scissor me daddy ass got you know that over? Tags I booked <laughs> Dark and Elevation with the Guns and the Acclaimed. Like, how many times do you think the Guns and the Acclaimed have teamed in an eight-man tag? Uh, I don't know, probably 10? Uh, probably at least, yeah. And a lot, a lot. It was a rhetorical question, but you, you probably would know. <laughs> You'd probably better at guessing that than anybody. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, so this was not... The way it's come together uh, is beautiful. And, the and you know, we saw we had something and then we built off it. And then like we were going to take it away from people only to bring it back and then make scissor me daddy ass was literally trending the day that the guns turned on the acclaimed like it was like the people were just floored that we weren't going to get to hear that again and when Bowens <laughs> went fed up for one last one after they started <laughs> to beat down it's everything that's great about wrestling it's like yeah. it's ridiculous it's like it's you're like trying not it's like it's sad it's like tragic bones beating up for one last one after he'd already gotten beaten down and billy didn't want to do it and he's just trying to take care of his own kids but in the end he realized he really has more of a bond his kids are terrible terrible people with the acclaim and there is really i mean really that's his family and so, uh, you know, that's really what's been special on the show this year. And I think the rivalry that they had with, with the guns, with Keith and Swerve, 
how FTR fit into it and, you know, that it was building to that match. Uh, and, and really, that was a match building kind of along the way when we did the eight-man tag. You could see that was where it was going with the acclaimed and FTR versus the guns in Swerve Our Glory. So, yeah, it's just, I think they're really strong. But, I, again, this isn't – these are just the top wrestlers in AEW, and they happen to also be people of color. That's what I always wanted it to be. And and it was what I always said is that we're pushing the best people, the top people, but we also have this great crew of people that a lot of them started on Dark uh, and Elevation, and, and really some of them before Elevation even started on the original Dark shows. A lot of it was in Daly's Place in an empty arena, and people that have really come a long way. I'm really excited for the trios match tonight. Uh, you know, Air Fox in particular, I mean top flight. Guys that have been with us all along, everything Darius has been through. I thought he had a great match with Mox. Here's something when we wanted to, I'm glad I'm here with you guys, and if anybody's made it this deep into the conversation with us, they probably really find the nuance of this stuff interesting. It never ceases to amaze me, the memory of the wrestling fans, how intelligent wrestling fans are. And I tell people this at, as the network executives have come in. I'm always saying, like, you wouldn't believe how intelligent wrestling fans are. And, mm-hmm. and I don't mean, like, the top point oh 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 one percentile of wrestling memories like Will. I mean, like, uh, <laughs> like or, you know, or, or I, I mean, like, or most of your audience even. Just the average wrestling fan, they know so much about, like, the dates from 20 years ago, arenas, buy rates. Right. So it was like what made like the narrative that of like why a company grew, didn't grow, why this angle worked. So much stuff that the average wrestler, and I was explaining to them, I'm like, they know demo shares from like weeks, months ago from different shows that like no executive would, in a way, like no executive would remember it like this. Wrestling fans are amazing, amazing, amazing people. But I think in some ways, we're trying some wrestling fans. I would just plea, plea. I'm sitting up. This is the first time I've actually sat up in an hour. <laughs> I've been very relaxed. Guys, it was just like before you were like, why is this match happening? They shouldn't do this match. There's no build. Maybe it's the start of something. How would you know? <laughs> like people, people, when we announced it's gonna be, there's going to be a trios, casino trios royale, and you know, Mox and Darius are going to have a match. Well, first of all, they're both going to be involved in this match. Maybe there's going to be something there on Friday. So we've already told you they're doing something else. Right. So there's a, I saw somebody like this match is unnecessary. What does that even mean? What does that mean? <laughs> like, how do you know? Right. Like, what is, and at least judge, and sometimes there are matches that are just matches, but, mm-hmm. but sometimes there need to be so that not everything is the start of something or the end of something or the middle of something. But a lot of times, it's the start of something, but other times it's just something you don't well, know. I, and you've spoken to this before, and I feel like uh, this kind of goes hand in hand with the conversation that over on my other show, uh, After the Week with Will and Denise, um, that that's a show that uh, this conversation keeps coming up every week. But um, talking about, you've kind of expressed uh, a lot around the idea that um, sometimes matches are in the spirit of competition now i know in this particular case that's not necessarily what you're referring to because by the time this airs people are going to understand a lot more about what you're talking about but um uh, but just in general sometimes matches are just in the the spirit of competition but i recognize that uh i think on the 
the mainstream scale as far as professional wrestling is concerned. Um, dance around what I was saying. <laughs> what I was saying. It's like it was a very specific point I was making, and you know exactly what it was. Yes, I, I do know the exact <laughs> point you were making. So like, don't, don't let's not dance. Look, okay, no <laughs> dancing, just say it. No dancing, <laughs> just say it. Look, well, I, mean, I mean, yeah. So I'm talking specifically about. No, I don't need to get into that. Anyway, I, I, I have a point I'm getting to here. <laughs> Bear with me here. So either way, I was specifically talking about the idea, because I want to go back to the thing you said kind of months ago, where you mentioned, you know, not every wrestling match needs to be kind of centered around the idea of, you know, somebody got hit with a cup of coffee, which yeah, is my favorite reference because that, because that literally happened between Chris Jericho and Kane. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the basis for literally two matches they had on pay-per-view Survivor Series 2000 and um, Armageddon that year. But either way. Um, the, the point I was getting at though, is that, uh, I think one of the things that I, I, I want your opinion on is the idea that, um, AEW's approach to pro wrestling isn't necessarily the approach that everybody's, uh, kind of used to in, in the modern day and age, because they've only had kind of one mainstream option for so long that they're kind of used to the idea of kind of everything being a grudge match and not necessarily, um, grudge even being a feature of a match in a sense because for a long time it really was and and now it's kind of the basis of pro wrestling whereas um you've done a lot of booking around again the the spirit of competition building win-loss rankings things along those lines building contenderships um things along that way how how do you find yourself navigating the idea that you know there's a lot of fans that feel wrestling has to be presented this specific way these things have to have a purpose before i even get to a pro wrestling match and not necessarily being able to tell the story through the match itself well that's a great great series of points in question (laughs) Uh, and i think that it's something that i grew up with and it went away for a long time and something we brought back but there's so many people in those two decades plus that never saw it, that really weren't familiar with the concept of wrestling matches where two people are fighting for the win, fighting for a place uh, in you know, contention, potentially, because it's going to set them up with a better situation in the company, more title opportunities, a better contract, their winner's share of the purse, uh, and the reasons people want to win matches. But Nitro was the number one show on cable, and so much of it was two wrestlers going out, and it wasn't even announced. It was just, okay, uh, you know, Rick Martel is going to go out there and, and wrestle. Uh, Prince Iakea. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, or two luchadors, or, or a luchador and a wrestler from Japan, or Eddie Guerrero against a wrestler from Japan, or Chris Jericho against a wrestler from right? And without, that first hour of Nitro, mm-hmm. love it. Sorry, go ahead. It. it was fun, and and then the person who produced these shows has gone and worked other places, and it's like he forgot all the stuff <laughs> that he did, and then he's like, "Why would anybody do this? Don't see that on TBS and TNT? He's the one that did it." And, and, and I, like, you did this. Yeah, you did it. And it was cool. And, and now you say it's not a, a way that people can watch TV anymore because every match has to have some kind of story to get into it. Well, what about just a story that everybody wants to be the best? I, you know, and, and 
that's how most sports are and there aren't there are storylines going into games and matches and the worst criticism the fakest criticism was there was this criticism of like i don't even want to say it because people would make it a quote because they'll pull out the things you say like as the as a portion of a quote within a quote but people questioned if there were storylines in the show. I'm like, are you shitting me? Like, there's so many in every show. And out of five, six matches in a show, most of them will have those hooks. And, uh, you know, I got to say, on next week's show, looking at it, every match will have story going into it um, on Dynamite. Then there's weeks where it could be a match where two wrestlers wrestling for the first time. Uh, but maybe it's going to lead somewhere for one of them, for both of them together separately. Watch it and find out. <laughs> and right. and that's the thing. So um, I do think everybody like trying to call stuff in advance is is good in terms of like it keeps people watching wrestling, which is great. And so I love that. And certainly, I always tried to think moves ahead as a kid as a fan and then you know my whole life until i became a promoter and started booking wrestling matches professionally but it's a little unusual anytime two people get in the ring and they're like this is there no why are they wrestling? <laughs> this doesn't make sense <laughs> maybe they're just wrestling here maybe one of them's going to go on to do something different maybe somebody's going to get involved maybe the two of them are going to get involved again there's so many different ways these things can go uh but uh, frankly, on a Nitro, usually it was just two guys wrestling and it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, you know, you know, that's um, not what I do. And that would right. actually be the greater sin. And the person who complains <laughs> is actually the person who did this more than anybody, which is the irony. And why are we dancing around his name? I don't know. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> What's his name, Tony Khan? Hey, Derek. And I guess none of us want to deal with this shit. <laughs> He's not going to come after any of us. He's going to come after you. <laughs> Look, I... What's that? Has he ever been on your show? No. 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 Why would he be on your no, show? No, 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 no. First no, off, Eric, I'm not going to say no. Look, I am... The invite Eric's is welcome open. here. Come on. No, yeah, he's, he's, he's welcome. I'm just saying, like, how would we get... To, you know, that... that no, well, we... Sure, you could... You know, he, I'd love to hear what he's saying. You guys would be great interviewers because... You know, Phil and Reg are great wrestling minds. Will, we've established, is a bizarrely, <laughs> bizarrely encyclopedic wrestling mind. And uh, now, frankly, uh, you guys would be great to hold them accountable to the fact. <laughs> and I've been watching a lot of 2000 WCW Nitro, and I got a lot of questions. That's, and that's a, I need a lot of answers, so, Eric so, so, Look, to open challenge, Eric Bischoff, if you're listening. <laughs> Look, 2000's a rough year because, like, and it, it, it's one that I'm attached to, bringing things full circle because uh, the first Nitro of the New Blood era with uh, where Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff came it's about took show. place in Denver. That was actually, <laughs> yeah, that was in Denver, and it was uh, uh, it was actually the first show at the Pepsi Center. The New Blood, all of that was established. They did a hard reboot and reset all the titles. If you've yeah. never watched that show before, April 2000, it's 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 a don't show. Don't watch it. No, don't watch hey, it. Hey, I was one of the people. <laughs> actually, it's actually a good show. Look, I was I one of the people it, at that time because I was convinced 
because I thought wrestling had was that had kind of a pendulum effect. I was convinced that look, WCW was the top promotion to me as a kid, and then it swapped to WWF, and then I felt like WCW had it again, and then obviously the Attitude Era WWF kicked it back in. I was one of the people screaming from the rooftops after that show. I'm like, pendulum swinging, baby. Nitro is back. Everybody start watching WCW again. I'm telling you, this is gonna be it. And then it wasn't. Dude, I watched an episode recently where Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo had matches back to back. It was it was god awful. God, god, god awful. They should never put that on TV. Tony Khan, you never better lace up a pair of boots, Tony Khan. I never want to I don't want to see any high spots and if you hit a Canadian destroyer, Tony Khan, I'm going to be so No, nah, if he hits a destroyer, I want to see it. Like honestly, don't do if, it, Tony Khan. <laughs> Please no. don't let him commit you to be in a match unless Brian Danielson's in there. Then I'll think about it because he can have a great match with anybody. It might work out actually. Just kidding. <laughs> you have nothing no. to worry about, Reg. And uh, no, you know, there's 2000s a hard year to watch, and I mean, you always want it to go different. It's like that that movie with the tragic ending, and you keep hoping it goes different, and it never does. And uh, 2000s a hard year. They had that like Will said. I thought that was a really interesting. Reset episode, but then within the next show, it was clear. It was over. And they had a pay-per-view that weekend, and it wasn't any good. It was over. And yeah. I bought it. I convinced my parents. I was like, look, this is the reset mode. Look, just give me, give me the money, and I will order this WCW pay-per-view. I'm telling you, this is it. Everything's coming back, and then it just didn't. I, yeah, I do I want... Uh, Did you like um, the Magnificent Seven? Yes. Yeah. Me too. I like that those last like the last couple months were kind of fun. Like before the poll the plug got pulled, it was like there was actually kind of some good stuff. The cruiserweight yeah. stuff I, was I, really good again. I feel like they were they kind of had to figure some things out, but I feel like um, the yeah, hard it was like part back of, against the wall, like a yeah. Back, the hard thing like, is they were at the point where a child me at the time could have written the show better than what they were doing. <laughs> Like, oh. like the hard thing was as much as I like wanted it to succeed and like even stuff that was starting to work, you turn to you turn the corner and it's like the build to WrestleMania 17 was just astronomical. Like, what are you exactly. doing here? You, you There was no comparison as far as what you were getting out of that. I wanted to kind of wrap with uh, just a couple of uh, final questions on a few topics, unless you guys had anything else. But um, I do have I something actually because we haven't touched on a very oh. important topic that people are going to get very upset if we don't so even after a great main event that happened this past wednesday on dynamite every single time i go online after a dynamite the questions the things are always the same why is there only one women's segment on the show why are they only focusing on one women's thing on the show why doesn't tony khan have three women's matches on dynamite why isn't there five ma women's wrestling there's been a lot of great things that happened this year. Tony Storm had an incredible run. Thunder Rosa did some great things. Jamie Hayter's definitely got to do some great things to riot all the things. What do you think is the problem here that people still have to have? They say that the one women's thing, a show, isn't enough for them. It could there's something else to be done to have more women's wrestling on the show. What is it here? Well, there's a lot of great opportunities uh, throughout AEW, uh, and I believe whether it's AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, you know, Elevation and Dark, we've always tried to bring up the best talent in AEW. And every week on Dynamite, I try to feature the best wrestlers week to week. Every week on Rampage, I try to feature the best wrestlers week to week. And it really goes back to the stuff I was saying to you before. It's, 
it, and it's all just opinions. I'm really trying to put the best matches out week to week, and it's whoever they are. And if you know, if I get to the point where the roster is, you know, built with that's the strongest group of wrestlers, and they're pulling the strongest ratings consistently, then that's who I'm going to push in those spots consistently, no matter who they are. And so it goes back to really a point I was making before, no matter who it is. And I'm really happy with, in particular, we just had this amazing match this week with Jamie Hayter and Sheeta. It was a great world title match. You mentioned Jamie Hayter, and Sheeta is also somebody that's been a great champion for us. We've had a lot of great champions. So I think it's been a really good year for us. I did, Will, what did you hold up? I didn't see that. It's Sakara Sheeta. Oh, it was Sheeta. Sorry. Yeah, I was, side. Sorry. I was answering right this question. <laughs> There's four boxes, so I was, like, <laughs> I was talking to Reg and talking to him, and then I looked up, and there was a, I missed something you were holding up, so it's toy. So, yeah, uh, I think always trying to push the best wrestlers week to week, and that's the change of the flow of the show. This year, it probably in many ways became more diverse, and I think that's because a lot of those wrestlers, not only some came in as free agents, some people improved to the level where they got better, and a lot of people connected with the crowd, and then – Lo and behold, it was a more diverse roster than it was last year. So I'll always push the best roster I can, and I want it to be as diverse as possible. Yeah, I think you hit some strides with women's wrestling right after All Out. And I think the thing that people are kind of missing is in-depth storylines, like the same that you get with some of the men's wrestlers with some of the women. And I think that's some of the things that people would like to see more of. Piggybacking off of that, um, Thank you. you do have a match coming up on January 11th at the forum that has a mystery tag partner in it. Um, obviously, Tony Storm just came back on a recent episode of Dynamite. I've seen people say that she could be an option. Um, and you've also said, you know, you overpromise sometimes. Is there an update you can give us on the mystery partner? Uh, not at this time. I don't think it would uh, behoove me to do that right now. But <laughs> it's what about in January, Tony Khan? Well, in January, you're definitely going to find out who it is. I can say uh, that. I, you know, certainty, you will know in January, but right now in December, that's <laughs> not something that probably serves my interest, Phil. Okay. I'll yeah, I, 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 Gary Kelman from Succession question: How did it serve? I, I just figured I would ask because I did yeah. see some people online saying, well, Tony's back, so it has to be Tony. And I was like, eh, I don't think they ever said that. Yeah. I mean, look, here's the thing. She has a decision to make. Uh, Soraya does. And she's got a couple weeks to do so. So who knows? Uh, I, I, I wanted to kind of look forward to 2023 in general. Obviously, you are creating creative television and in a sense it would be idiotic for you to answer um as far as uh playing any of your hands here but uh i do want to at least get an idea of what you expect um out of 2023 given how 2022 went and uh just looking forward what do you see differently for the company this coming year and uh what do you see going better with your I, world champion, MJF, I'd like to hear how your your thoughts on MJF going into 2020. Well, that's a great question. A great, a great question for Will. It's a great question for you, Reg. I will answer both. I think that we've got a really strong outlook. It's great having world champions like MJF, Jamie Hayter, 
the acclaimed and death triangle great names some of the really frankly great homegrown names in aw uh a pack i wouldn't call a homegrown star i think he established himself all over the world but you know most of the champions in aw right now i think you could say that about uh although samoa joe certainly has come in and now we got a huge match at coming up this week with samoa joe against wardlow one thing we saw this year a lot of the great homegrown stars of aew taking on a lot of the great stars who came into AEW as free agents. And I think Full Gear, that was really one of the great teams of Full Gear. And one of the things that made it such a compelling, great pay-per-view is top to bottom that we had this show featuring so many wrestlers that had worked their way up over years in AEW versus people that had come into AEW with an established name along the way. And uh, in 2023, I think you can see more of that. We'll have these big names that came into AEW, these big names that came in along the way. I think we'll see more people's identities grow and the crowd's going to develop a connection with people. And that's really what gets people to the next level. But we have this great set of homegrown champions, but also some big free agent stars that have come in and really changed AEW for the better. And I think the biggest thing I've learned is to respect the unexpected. You know, I have ideas and thoughts and notes filling up notebooks i've got uh tons of you know things that never actually got to do that were great ideas because something happened and i know that'll happen again we'll have a great idea but something will come up and it won't happen and then you got to come up with something totally different and i think that's the challenge of the wrestling business and when you do come up with these things whether it's something you had planned or whether you come up with something that based on a change and you need a new plan and you have limited time to come up with it, no matter what it is, it can't be something so bad it makes people hate yourself. <laughs> and, and I've seen people do that in wrestling, and that's what I don't want to do, and that's why we're really fortunate. We have this really loyal audience that stays with us, and has consistently been with us, and it's honestly grown. You know, I see people talk about AEW, and they act like the audience hasn't grown year over year, which is crazy. It has. Uh, you know... We're, we have a bigger audience in 2022 than we did in 2021, and that was a great year for us. And like I said, people would say, well, the first couple months of the year, people would say the first part of the year you were opposed. Well, that was the first three months and three and a half months, I guess, and uh, three months and two weeks, three months and one week, right? It was like the second week of April was the first unopposed show, so three, three months and a week. And, uh, uh, you know, even outside of that quarter, we've had big growth. And this quarter has been really strong for us. So I guess the thing I've learned is, um, you know, remember how fortunate we are to have this really deep roster and take care of them. And I try my best to take care of the people and take care of them in different ways. For I know everyone would like to be on the show and everyone would like to be the champion and winning every week on the show. And that's just not possible. And what I can do is give people a good place to work and try to make it a fun place. And, and if people have family problems, take care of them. If they have an emergency, try to be there for them. And, you know, a lot of people don't have that at the places they work. And they work in way less crazy environments than wrestling. So to be in such a crazy business and have the stability of a family business, I think is good. And uh, 
that's one thing we can offer people in 2023 and hopefully forever. And I think in 2023, we'll have a pretty great outlook for AEW, in my opinion. I think it's going to be like you guys brought up. We're going to a lot of new cities where we've never been. So it's just got a really exciting feel. It feels like we've been through this incredible adventure, but almost like the end of a movie. Like, it's like, wow, that was a lot. <laughs> there were times where people wondered what was going to happen. There were times where people questioned, is this going to change everything? Are we going to be able to recognize what comes out at the end of the year? And the answer is yes. It was a great year for Dynamite. Um, no matter what the challenge was, by the end of the year, we've done great shows. And now we got one left. And I think it's going to be really, really good. And we'll put a great 2022 in the books officially after this coming week. One final question. Uh, because there's no way I could get away with not asking. And uh, you've already stated in numerous interviews um, what you're not going to answer. If you're not going to answer this one, that's fine. Um, but again, ignoring any type of incidents, anything along those lines, talking from the perspective of having a wrestler on your roster who is currently injured, do you believe we will see CM Punk again on an AEW program? I can't speak to that. I can't address that. But I appreciate you asking, and uh, I understand why you have to ask. Well, that's it for this edition of Grap City Interviews. Tony Khan, this has been our longest interview we've ever had. Uh, so thank you for being our guest here. We appreciate you, uh, having you here. AEW Dynamite, of course, airs every Wednesday. You know this because you're on Fightful. It airs every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or I guess that's not true because it airs on the West Coast. That I guess it's 8 p.m. everywhere. Um, yeah, but there's some places where they can watch. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Watch it on the East Coast feed. So yeah, I watch the East Coast feed at five o'clock here. In oh yeah, at six o'clock here in Denver. There's no way in hell I'm watching it any other time. Uh, and so Either way, Dynamite every Wednesday. Uh, we've got Grand, or not Grand Slam, we've got uh, New Year's Smash coming up uh, right here in Denver. And uh, tickets are still available. If you uh, are looking to go, come say hi to your boy because I'll be there, awtix.com. Otherwise, Tony Khan, thank you for being here. For Righteous Reg, Philip Lindsay, I'm Will Washington. We'll see you next time. Have a great day. Peace. If you're out and about, you're using public Wi-Fi, airport, coffee shop, restaurant, hotel, NordVPN.com slash Fightful will protect you. It'll protect you from online trackers. It'll protect you from getting your data stolen. It'll protect you from those just those malware that you get from those dangerous sites. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. But NordVPN.com slash Fightful is going to protect you. And you can change your virtual location with just one click to get access to a broader array of content. Thanks to NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Not just that, it works on all your devices.
So no matter what you're using, you are protected. A 30-day money-back guarantee, four months free with NordVPN.com slash Fightful, and three great tiers. Secure every device you own. Protect yourself on public Wi-Fi. Listen, watch your favorites abroad. NordVPN.com slash Fightful.